Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we uh, cover all things from movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, conventions, pop culture, and more. You can catch me on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM, and you can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of 12 papers and 21 markets that cover our video game reviews. We have our Skewed and Reviewed magazine. The latest issue is due out in late September. And, of course, we are syndicated from two places like N4G, Smash Bomb, Sci-Fi Radio, who also simulcast this show, and much more. And I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. And we have a lot of entertainment news to cover for you this week, so we are just going to hit the ground and get right to it before we get into our topics. So first off, uh, video game news. A couple of releases this week you're gonna wanna pay attention to. Number one is Curse to Golf. This is a retro pixel game uh, about a golfer that has to literally golf his way out of the afterlife and back to the world of the living. Now the humorous thing about it is obviously you can pick your club, you can pick your power-ups and so on and so forth, but you have some extremely challenging shots against a multi-level golf course. It's not a linear hit it straight and you're in. You have to sometimes hit it up, hit it down through multiple levels. Uh, you have a, obviously a stroke count. You can hit things like idols to increase your stroke and it's a lot of fun. Another game you're gonna wanna check out is called Roller Drone and it's a very interesting hybrid. You can get it on the PlayStation, get it on the PC, the Xbox, but essentially it's the near future and you play a character who takes part in a sport where I guess the kindest way to put it is it's a mixture of shooting and roller skating. The only difference is you're the target. So you enter a very complicated arena where you can do all kinds of roller skating tricks to get power-ups, points, more ammunition, but you're in an arena filled with snipers and you have to battle your way through all of them while avoid being shot and of course uh, performing various tricks to survive. We have some video up on the site right now so you definitely do want to check that out and obviously as you go along new arenas new enemies new weapons and more this week is going to see a uh, gaming release from Rocat, and this is getting a lot of really good early reviews we've only spent a little bit of time with it but it is quite impressive and this is a brand new Rocat cone xp air and what this is is a completely wireless high-end gaming mouse. So as anyone knows, uh, Rocat uh, was acquired by Turtle Beach and they have uh, really brought in a fantastic line of products. And so to give you some ideas, it's got a multi-button design, a 4D wheel, 29 programmable inputs, 2.4 gigahertz wireless and Bluetooth dual connectivity, rapid charge dock, 100 hours of battery life, and of course you can program your color schemes and more so that's definitely one that you definitely want to consider and then another product that has really uh, caught people's attention especially for the price point is a brand new wired xbox controller that is available and uh, what they have here is a uh, xbox controller that has enhanced sound qualities to it so a nice way of putting it would be that you plug in the controller, it's, you know, you think it's your standard Xbox controller, but it has all kinds of great sound input features to it, and it's a Turtle Beach product. It allows you to get, uh, like, the footsteps and hear them. Some of the early uh, Turtle Beach headphones made a very good uh, use of this by uh, essentially giving people the ability to kind of, like, hear when an enemy was sneaking up on them rather than just kind of a blanket sound effect. And uh, the price you can't beat. I mean, it is coming in at about $29, which right there alone makes it very, very appealing. And it's called the React Slash R, and it is uh, available for Xbox. Comes in black and white colors, and uh, definitely one to check out. At that price point, you cannot go wrong. So a lot of great stuff there. Also wanted to mention Dungeons and Dragons has got a brand new set out, and this thing is pretty impressive. I actually picked up the box the other day, and uh, it is heavy. I mean, it is not just a book. It is a very 
detailed set, and it is um, Spelljammer's Adventures in Space, and so it comes in both a standard and an alternate cover, so you have books, you have uh, all kinds of collections, and it is a great set for Dungeons & Dragons fans who want to play something new and go out and also, you know, have collectibles. Okay, so the final thing that I have before we get into our topics, and as I said, we definitely had a lot of things today, and we'll thank you guys for uh, sticking with this part, is a, a movie, a Universal Studios put it out, and it is starring Raina Fiennes, and yes, he is indeed related to Ray Fiennes, and it is a great story. I had no idea about this, but he is an actual person, and he is considered the world's greatest living explorer. And he even at one point was considered to play James Bond, but he's a British person who has done everything from circumnavigating the globe to walking across the poles and doing all kinds of amazing uh, survival scenarios. I mean, like one of them even got frostbite so bad it affected his fingers. And it's just a fascinating story about someone just with a drive to go out and overcome all obstacles and what is so interesting is that you would think for most of us having made it through one of these situations you'd say yep that's it I'm good and he just kept finding new ones to do uh, and new challenges to conquer so it is actually uh, you know a, a really great look at human perseverance the movie's called Explore and you can see that very very soon okay guys so we have a lot of stuff going on um, you know, we've got these uh, numerous conventions coming up. We have Gamescom coming up next week. And in a few weeks, we have the uh, D23 Expo, and I will be there doing coverage. And uh, we, we had some interesting things come up this week. Like, for example, uh, let's start with this one. We've got Disney and Marvel are going to be doing a gaming showcase on September 9th. And we've heard... Uh, some very interesting titles are going to be shown. Disney's Dreamlight Valley, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, so we can only assume this is going to be covering future content and stuff, and a sneak peek at upcoming Marvel Ensemble game from Skydance New Media. So, Michael, we'll start with you. What do you make of this? I think this is pretty exciting. I mean, um, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the new Marvel games coming out, um, and I know there were some mixed reviews on the Square Enix games when they came out, but generally speaking, I think they did a fairly good job given the license they had. So I'll be excited to see what, what showcased off with the, the Disney showcase as far as the games are concerned. Um, the Skywalker Saga is really an interesting thing because like, that game's been out for a while now. Um, it's fantastic, obviously. So I'll be really curious what we're going to see, if there's going to be um, DLC for it. Because, um, again, it's already pretty comprehensive as it covers every movie, and it's, um, and I'll be the first day I haven't gotten through the whole thing, but generally speaking, the, it's, it's been a really great, uh, a great take on the Lego game, so yeah, I'm actually very interested about that one, because I'll be curious to see what we're going to see as far as our releases for that, because again, there's nothing to announce with it, because it's been out for, for a while, so if there's new content coming, or, or some new uh, announcement for that, I'm really interested to see what that is. And I was, at first, I thought, oh, maybe it'll be Rogue One. But then, of course, remember the whole thing, the Skywalker saga. So, you know, yeah, you could, you could dance around it and say, well, technically, this one and this one were in the film. But, um, yeah, it makes you wonder. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there for, uh, for Disney to show off some, some uh, stuff in the gaming sphere. Um, they're you know that they're still relatively new to i mean they don't publish themselves but um they do have a lot of extremely uh lucrative uh, uh ips that they could um that they really could leverage i think so i'm curious to see what they have in store uh as far as like marvel games and star wars games yeah and it's fascinating because you know as i told somebody i said you have to remember d23 expo is an every other year event and this was originally planned for 2021, but because of the world situation, we couldn't have that. So we're back to having it this year. And you have that extra year of content, which is only ramped up anticipation. You know, like I tell people, I remember just a few shows ago, 
that we'd get down there and you'd hear, oh, there's a few tickets for Friday, there's a few tickets for Sunday, and maybe even a few tickets for Saturday. Saturday is the day they have the really big showcase where the celebrities come out and everybody wants to get in there. Naturally, not everybody can, but it's a big day that people want to come out. And this year, the thing's completely sold out before the show even took place, and they're actually going to be uh, streaming some things. I know the gaming thing I mentioned, apparently they are going to have uh, streaming content available for those who can't go. But, you know, some of the other things we got, and this is uh, interesting, they have a Disney Legends Award. There's just so much stuff. It's very hard to give somebody an idea, but imagine the main floor is everything from costumes, props, memorabilia, merchandise for sale, previews of upcoming shows. I remember at the last one we went to, they had a Disney Plus sign-up there so people could sign up, and this was ahead of the thing launching. They had uh, costumes from uh, various shows. They had costumes from uh, Christmas special coming to Disney Plus. They had Marvel costumes, obviously. The Hall 8 showcase had uh, just all kinds of incredible stuff. One of the highlights was Dwayne Johnson coming out on a replica of the Jungle Cruise float. Uh, in past years, when we've been on Hall H, you've had everyone from uh, Avengers cast members, Chris Evans, Natalie Portman, and they're coming out and not only showing you first looks, but they're showing you extended looks behind things. They're making announcements. We had, um, I remember for Captain America Winter Soldier, they came out and they showed a scene that they told us they had just filmed the week and it still had temporary effects, so it's a really big deal. And one of the things they have in addition to what's coming to the cruise line, what's coming to the hotel, what's coming to the parks, I mean, it's everything. We cover television, uh, is they have a Disney Legends uh, event, and it's fantastic because they essentially induct new people who, for their contributions, have are declared Disney Legends. And it's great because it's not just actors and actresses. Some people who may not be as well known for what they do, but they have done incredible contributions. So this year we have an extended list. And so uh, like, for example, we have Anthony Anderson, Kristen Bell, Chadwick Boseman, Robert Coltrane, Patrick Dempsey, Robert Price, Bob Foster, Josh Gad, uh, Jonathan Groff, Don Han, Doris Hardoon, Adina Menzel, Ellen Pompeo, Tracy Ellis Ross, all scheduled to take part. To give you an idea, the last one I went to, Robert Downey Jr., uh, got inducted, and that was just, it, it was a, he was amongst some fantasticers, but he brought the house down because he talked about getting kicked out of Disneyland as a teenager for doing something <laughs> he shouldn't have, and he was saying it right there with the president of Disney uh, on hand. So, it, you know, it was a very fun event because you didn't know what was going to come next so really looking forward to that we've already been told that there's going to be panels for the simpsons bob's burgers and interestingly enough home economics which is a show with topher grace that has uh, you know the upcoming third season uh on the way so lots and lots of interesting things uh real quick aside too before we get on to the next segment i do want to mention the final update, it's hard to believe it's uh, there already, but the fifth season update for Call of Duty Vanguard as well as Call of Duty Warzone is coming next week, August 24th. We're going to get a brand new zombie chapter, and we're going to get new maps, all kinds of new content, and this will be the last of the seasonal updates. Not to say there won't be a few more things added to the season down the line, but this is the last of the big season updates before Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 drops in October. So, you know, you sit there and you go, oh, wow, whatever. And then you look at the calendar and you go, oh, my goodness, that's less than two months away. So lots of uh, stuff to look forward to. So, gentlemen, we've been talking about the D23 Expo. Uh, we mentioned Gamescom is coming up. We'll do a little more on that later in the show. But... Uh, we are just a few weeks away from the kickoff to the Halloween event starting to take part in various parks. And up first will be um, Halloween Horror Nights, which is coming to Universal Studios, both San Diego and Orlando. And they're going to kick off on Thursday, September 8th. So this is like the really big first uh, up next week, the following week, September 16th. 
is going to be Hallow Scream at SeaWorld. Michael's covering that. And then my plan is to be at Knott's Berry Farm on the 22nd when we cover Knott's Scary Farm. And we'll have uh, some information on that in a bit. And, of course, we also have uh, various events going on at Disneyland. And uh, my wife and I and our granddaughter, Charlie, will be covering the, Oogie Bo the D23 Gold Members uh, Private Oogie Boogie Bash at uh, Disney's California Adventure on September 10th. So pretty crazy. In fact, uh, somebody was saying, oh, aren't you going to the Halloween Horror Nights? And it's like, well, here's the trick. We're actually driving over to get ready to cover D23, and it just would have been a little crazy to try to do that until late and then be up early to cover D23 Expo the next day and then do the Expo again the next day and a Halloween party. So we're having a uh, local group who's covered uh, for us in the past. They are uh, going to be covering it. But I wanted to mention really quick, this year they are bringing Terror Tram back, but it's going to have a cinematic twist and it's going to have a theme based on Jordan uh, Peele's uh, movies, including Us, uh, that people already know about Nope having a display. And some of the Haunted House lineups have been announced. So uh, we have The Weekend's After Hours Nightmare. So that'll be, that one's going to be really intriguing. So the musical artist The Weekend is going to have his. Uh, Michael, you'd probably be thrilled about this. We're going to be having a Halloween maze. I remember covering one years ago that was pretty cool. You went through the asylum in various locations. You have the horrors of Bloomhouse, including the Black Phone and Freaky. Uh, Universal Monsters Legends Collide, and I know this one has really been intriguing. We talked about this before. The Wolfman Dracula and the Mummy for the first time in one maze. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. La Llorona, the Weeping Woman, Scarecrow the Reaping, and Universal's Horror Hotel. And of course, you're going to have the Jabberwockies there, and they're going to be um, scare zones, including El Pueblo, Del Terror, Sideshow Slaughterhouse, and Clown Saw. So that will be very interesting. And then there's various attractions open as well from uh, Jurassic World, The Ride, Transformers, Revenge of the Mummy, and The Simpsons. And, of course, they also have said The Wizarding World of Harry Potter will be available. So that will be some very interesting stuff. I know when we covered it ourselves years ago, there was the theme of um, going on of the Purge. So they actually conducted a Purge complete with the sound effects. The Jabberwockies were there. There was American Horror Story. There was Krampus. Uh, Halloween, there was um, uh, The Exorcist, and a lot of really good things. And the great thing about it was um, FX, American Horror Story. They had, um, the, in a Freddy vs. Jason one, when you actually went through the woods, you smelled pine. And they had trees and stuff. When you went into the Krampus uh, one, they have, like, cold rooms and stuff like that. There was a Walking Dead area. There was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre area. So there was a lot of really fun stuff, and it is a event you don't want to miss. So uh, switching gears, let's talk about what Knott's has on hand, and I know, Michael, this is something you and I have covered in the past, and this one kind of surprised me. This is the 49th Knott's uh, Scary Farm. Not that it's surprising that it had gone on that long, it's just, it's you know, when you see that number, you're like, wow, 49 years already. Uh, so here's the new stuff. Uh, Bloodline, 1842, armed with the latest uh, weaponry, you can choose to heed the call of action or embark on a perilous journey with the immortal Daybreakers, and you will hunt uh, bloodthirsty vampires. And I'm curious if this is one, I don't know if you took part in it, but do you remember the one I talked to you about, Michael, where we, they had us put on the uh, laser tag gear and we actually had to shoot the vampires in the on the sensors and stuff like that? Or actually, yeah, they were, we went through one of those. Yeah, they were zombies. Uh, Zombies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and see, then there's one called the Grimoire, and it says, enter the world of an ancient relic whose dark stories exist purely to turn your nightmares into reality. Beyond the Fog, now this one, this one I think is gonna be fantastic. Beyond the Fog, a behind the scenes tour of Not Scary Farm. And, you know, we'll leave it at that. There is the Lee Magnifique Carnival de Grotesque Show. The Conjurer's Dark Magic Show in the Birdcage. And, of course, the returning mazes. Uh, there's Mesmer, which I saw last year, which was very, very good. Uh, Waxworks, 
The Origins, uh, The Curse of Calico, which is also very good, Pumpkin Eater, that was the first one I did last year, and that, that was great. I mean, after so much time off, you went through it, you had to walk down a little corridor to get to it, and then you get into it, and there was this area where I felt this stuff on me, and I was like, what is this? And you actually were in a giant pumpkin, and it had, like, the juice and the seeds and everything in it, and that was really cool. Dark Ride, which was another favorite of mine, where they essentially have you walk through a carnival that is done up like the old carnival rides of old. The Depths, which is very good. It kind of uh, explains uh, an underwater uh, mystery, I guess is the best way. And then Dark Entities, which was a classic uh, science fiction one that definitely needs to be checked out. And they have the returning scare zones again, which include last year's The Goring Twenties, Ghost Town Streets, Carnival, The Hollow, and Forsaken Lakes. And then there's, of course, shows like Puppet Up Uncensored, The Timber Mountain, Log Ride will have a Halloween overlay. There'll be a scary art show. And, of course, for folks who have uh, children, they do have a daytime thing called the Not-So-Scary Farm you'll want to check out. There is um, a Fright Line and Fast Line, so you can pay an additional price to uh, you know, get around the lines. There are uh, buffet options, so you can essentially go in and have your dinner before you go into the park. And, of course, I did want to mention this because this is brand new. Um, they are including the chaperone policy that has been implemented at the park. And, essentially, that's any guest age 17 or younger must be covered accompanied by an adult who is at least 21 years old so we're not going to have a situation where uh you know teenagers essentially will be uh on their own in the park and people have been wondering how that's going to affect uh, the turnout i still think it's going to be really really well uh so michael covered a lot of stuff what do you think yeah, I mean, it's all exciting stuff. I mean, obviously, we've done the Not Scary Farm for several years, and that's always a good time. Um, I am interested to see how the enforcement will be that the 17 years or or younger or accompanied by a 21-year-old. Um, but I know they kind of want to do some of that so that there's not as much, I don't know. I've never had to be a problem when we were there, but, um, again, we were only there one night, and I can imagine for folks you like to go and enjoy that there's there's probably some um chaos that ensues so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works i mean we are really excited about the SeaWorld um event just because we've never been to that one so that's something new to see and obviously universal always puts on a major uh, exciting show again they have the uh, big studio budget to really wow people but i will say uh not scary farm i think was pretty much the uh the you know inventor of all these these haunted mazes and and you know the theme park set up with the scary stuff and, and that sort of thing and i mean they always put on a great show i mean even um i think it's probably a little less uh, intense from than universal is so it kind of fits a, a a wider audience but at the same time it's certainly not uh, shy on scares and uh and production value so yeah this is a pretty exciting year um now that it looks like the parks and the mazes are going to be kind of back to hopefully um, kind of where they were pre-pandemic and really get the opportunity to put on the show as they had always meant to and uh, intended until the pandemic. So all in all, yeah, this sounds like going to be a really great time for uh, for those who are into this. And uh, again, we've got a couple of exciting months ahead. And Justin, what do you take of all this? Yeah, no, I think it's uh, definitely a, a pretty exciting. Um, they're putting a lot of uh, effort into uh, representing all sorts of different movies. So that'll definitely be pretty exciting to, uh, to look into. Absolutely. And I think what is really great about it is that, um, you know, when I would cover events in some other states, one of my biggest gripes was that I understood they had to do kind of a volunteer thing. But when you have essentially little kids come out and try to scare you, it doesn't work very well. And what is so great about these events, especially not Scary Farm, especially Halloween Horror Nights, is you get really good performances. I mean, not just the sets, which are amazing lights, amazing makeup. Remember where you are. This is Southern Cal. This is the movie capital. You get professional makeup. You get professional sound effects and lighting. 
and you get people who, I mean, this is not just a, oh, if you'll show up, you'll get it. They hold auditions for these things, and you have to, you know, essentially meet the cut. So essentially, I've always felt you're getting aspiring actors in some of the cases as well that are looking to hone their skills and to get, you know, an acting credit, and they really go into it, and they really do a fantastic job. And uh, it's just always so much fun to see the creativity. And especially, you know, I look at Not Scary Farm, and they do what they always do. They have some new mazes with some returning favorites. And even when you see stuff that you go, oh, I remember going on that here or on that here, that doesn't change my enthusiasm. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to go through it again. I, you know, and then there's that, I wonder if they're going to tweak it slightly for this year or, you know, you're going to have different cast members this year, and there's all that fun. And going through the log ride when it's got the Halloween overlay on it, that is a lot of fun, too. So very excited about that, and very excited to see all of the things uh, that are happening. And so a lot of stuff. Also, you know, talking about Halloween, Ghostbusters Spirit Unleashed, the four-player uh, or four-versus-one hunt that is done from the folks who brought us Predator Hunting Grounds and Friday the 13th. They've announced an October 18th release date for that, so I know that's going to get people excited. And that leads us into our next topic, which is Gamescom. That is going to be taking part this week, and they will be the opening ceremonies on Tuesday at 11 o'clock Pacific, where Jeff Keighley's going to come out, and we're going to get the big reveals for all the upcoming games and the deeper looks at some that are announced so, uh, Justin, we'll start off with you. Do you have expectations or hopes for what you want to see announced or give a deeper look at? Yeah, that is a really good question. So um, I have some kind of off-the-wall ideas of stuff I'd like to see that uh, I have, like, no proof at all or, or really any reason to think that uh, that it actually will, will show up there. Like, uh, you know, I uh, I just recently got back into Elden Ring, Um <laughs> You know, I, I think at this point, you know, people who've played it, they've either completed it multiple times or, you know, it's been out for a while. So I'd like, honestly, I'd like to see an announcement for uh, some DLC for Elden Ring. You know, uh, I, my mindset's kind of going towards um, Gamescom being kind of more European and, and uh, a lot of times actually Japanese companies u utilize Gamescom as well. I don't really anticipate a lot of information out of like EA or or Activision, uh, they usually aren't, aren't really big on Gamescom, um, although Blizzard sometimes uses it, so we could, you know, potentially get some information maybe on Diablo 4, um, so, uh, I think that would be pretty cool, maybe some information Diablo 4, maybe some Elden Ring DLC, uh, I'd like to see, you know, uh, kind of like, um, I think we, we talked about before, uh, some of the games that are coming out kind of in the time frame of uh, early next year. So um, I'm thinking like the Dead Space remake. We haven't really seen much on that. Um, Callisto Protocol. Um, I think Capcom um, should... I, I'd really like to see some gameplay for the Resident Evil 4 remake. Um, maybe some of the other things Capcom's working on. Um, I think, you know, there's been a long rumors of, uh, of a new entry for Silent Hill. Um I don't, you know, given how long these rumors have been going on, I, I, I don't really anticipate anything actually showing up, but that would be a pretty cool announcement, I think, as well. Um, and then, you know, just to kind of round it out, you know, the thing that uh, was uh, a little su surprising about the E3 season was that we really didn't get any sort of big Nintendo Direct. They usually have one really big one in the summer uh, right around E3. And... Um, you know, you kind of look at what Nintendo's going on for the rest of the year, and it's really not a lot. Um, so I think that would be an opportunity for them uh, to kind of show off some stuff as well. Very interesting. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Justin kind of touched on a lot of the ones I was looking forward to. I mean, Callista Protocol, obviously, the more we see on that game, I think that the, the better it looks. Um, maybe some, you know, more updates on the new Dead Space game coming out. One of the things that I would like to see, and I, I don't know realistically when this will happen, um, is you know the new Metro game was announced uh, prior to the war in Ukraine, and I know that kind of shut down a lot of that development. Um, but it, it would be interesting to see if there's been any any further news or updates on that game itself. I think I had heard um, a couple. 
months ago that they had re started rework on that working on that game as well. But I know that there are going to be significant uh, delays on it just due to everything going on in the world. But it would be curious to see um, if we get any updates on that, just because it's been a while since it was announced. Um, to to Justin's point, I, I agree. Nintendo's been pretty quiet, um, and there hasn't really been a lot, um, you know. And with you know the Nintendo Switch. Uh, still continuing to outsell pretty much everything and um, continue to be a driver, even though there haven't been, in my opinion, a lot of newish games that have been worth um, the uh, the cost of admission. Uh, obviously, it's still an like, extremely um, popular device, so I do think that um, without a Nintendo Direct, there is some opportunities there to get, get some more information um, and that sort of thing. So I think there's still kind of a lot of in the air. Without an um, you know, packs you know, coming a little bit later. Gamescom is kind of the, uh, the place where we should probably hear more about um, in development type stuff and whether or not, um, you know, how I think one announcement I heard, which I thought was interesting, is Dead Island 2. Apparently, there's been some resurgence on that front. Uh, I really I love the original Dead Island when it came out, wow, I don't even know what, 12 years ago, um, somewhere around there. Um, so, Dead Island 2. Has me in, interested. Um, it'll be curious, you know, because it's been kind of in development hell for a long time, um, and because there's been an influx of zombie games since the original Dead Island. It'll be interesting to see um, the uh, how they would make that unique. But again, I, there have been some some rumors and some information on that um, as well. So it'll be curious if we get to see or hear more about that during Gamescom. So. I think there's a lot of opportunities there. We'll just have to see what uh, what comes of all those things. Okay, so here's what I'm hearing, and like you, Dead Island 2 getting a um, re-announcement was definitely one. There are rumors of uh, Outer Worlds 2, a Bioshock game, especially since we have an anniversary, the new Avatar game. I personally wouldn't mind seeing something on the Division home front, that Alien game it was announced, but I have been told we're going to see Hogwarts Legacy, the Callisto Protocol, Sonic Frontiers, and Return to Monkey Island. So those apparently are pretty much take it as uh, guaranteed coming. Uh, some people have said we're going to get another look at Dying Light 2, Bloody Ties DLC, and Telltale Games, The Expanse. So, you know, those are the names that have come right now. The rest of them who knows? Everything is all up in the air, and it's going to be uh, very curious to see where they go from there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if you know Telltale really uh, gets that magic that they've had with their recent games in a game based on the Expanse. But you know, we'll see. But uh, that's going to take place Tuesday. Uh, let's see, 11 o'clock Pacific is when the stream happens, and then there'll be things happening all weekend. Um, you know, wait and see. There's always going to be something. It, it's always a mix with these shows now between things that you don't expect getting announced, and then other things where people say, "Oh, it's gonna. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get that." And no, this doesn't happen. Uh, the final thing that we have is an interesting topic. We've speculated about this for a while, but I guess the day has finally come. And according to uh, ratings firm Nielsen that in July of uh, 2022, the streaming services actually drew more viewers, and uh, be specific here, the leading streaming services, this is not some of the smaller startups in that, drew more viewers than cable TV for the first time ever. And media analysts have anticipated for years that this would be coming. They've cited that the cutting of the cords, more people moving to the internet streamers, but they're saying that right now, 34.8% um, of total television consumption in July uh, was streaming, whereas cable was 34.4, broadcast was 21.6. So, uh, Michael, start us off. What do you think? So I don't think this is too much of a surprise. I mean, we kind of have to look at what came out in July. Uh, I think Stranger Things was out. Um, obviously, the Disney Plus um, series um, are always popular, whether it be the Star Wars branded ones or the Marvel branded ones. Um, there's just a lot out there from a consumption perspective. 
Um, and I think those are the kinds of shows people are waiting on. The summer's always been pretty light with network, with cable-type shows anyways, a lot of reruns, a lot of the... I know they do the game show things, which I really don't have any interest in in the evenings. Um, so the, the summertime, again, doesn't surprise me much with streaming just because there's been a, a, a bulk of new shows coming out on the streaming services. But from a, from a broadcast perspective, there isn't really. And, and um, so it's kind of hard to take a lot from this as a trend, although it'll be interesting to see how it continues over the course of the next six months to a year to see if that continues to be the case. Uh, and I'm not really surprised. I think, um, you, know, cable, you know, cable TV has always had the opportunity for DVR type stuff, um, as well as on-demand type stuff. So they've always kind of had a quote-unquote streaming presence, if you want to take it to that level, uh, which is, has improved because they've had to against the other streaming services. Um, so I, I do think there is, there is something to be said about that. Uh, and, I, and I do think that most people like the streaming service because they get to watch the shows on their schedule as opposed to DVRing them and, and dealing with commercials and dealing with um, the time zone. And, and some people would prefer to wait for the shows to be completely available so they can binge watch them all at once versus waiting and watching one every week as they come out or something like that. So there are a lot of advantages that um, the streaming services just have and will continue to have um, over cable. And again, I think for us, you know, we pay for the premium subscriptions, so we don't have the uh, commercials and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's worth the extra five bucks or whatever it happens to be about, depending on the service, uh, to have that. And, and again, even if you DVR, you're still forced to fast forward through that stuff. Um, and, and again, we, we still have cable. We turn it on uh, to have background stuff going on, um, you know, while we're doing other things or whatever. So there's still that there's still a benefit for us there. But if we're coming from talking about shows or or something we want to watch that we're actually going to be paying attention to. Streaming just makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. So again, not surprised in particular in the summer. Um, let's see how it goes into the fall where we see a lot of the newer shows being released uh, on the, the major networks and see how streaming continues to, to gain space. Uh, but again, I think we're at a point where it, it makes a lot more sense to, to offer that from a streaming perspective. Um, cable cutting is a lot more realistic for a lot more folks now with the uh, internet being a bit more reliable and faster in a lot of areas that it wasn't previously. So we'll just have to see where things go from here. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's probably going to fluctuate probably for a couple years at least. Um, but I think that the trajectory is in the direction of streaming services. And I, I, I think that's twofold. So, I mean, I can only anecdotally speak for my own experience. I, I was a, uh, I guess what you call a cable or a cord cutter uh, 10 years ago. I uh, just found that I wasn't really watching cable a, a lot and when I was paying for it. And to me, it was um, a lot of the content I was watching was on streaming service anyway, like on Netflix or Amazon Prime. So I figured, you know, if you add those two together, Amazon Prime uh, subscription, which you could get all sorts of other stuff with that, uh, not just streaming um, and um Netflix, I mean, that was both of those together, which was the vast majority of what I was watching, uh, was cheaper than, you know, paying for, uh, for the cable service. Um, you know, and so I just, to me, I, the way I rationalize it was, uh, I, I'd take, you know, the, the amount of money I was spending on, um, the cable service and then, uh, put that towards, you know, a, a better internet, um, a higher internet package. So, um, I think, you know, it's a cost thing. Uh, you can kind of pick and choose which streaming services are, are um, you know, good for, for the individual. And then I think uh, a, a bit, probably an even bigger component is people are going towards the content. So um, I think uh, Michael brought up a really good point. Um, the uh, things like Stranger Things, I mean, people are going to follow where the biggest uh, content is, uh and it, as we go forward over the next several years, I think more and more uh, TV shows that are like must-watch TV shows that uh, uh, that everybody's talking about are probably going to be exclusively on streaming services. Um, so I think it's probably going to fluctuate. You're probably going to have like a, like a year here where um, you know streaming is is a is uh, uh, bigger than 
then cable, and then you'd probably have a year where it, it uh, fluctuates back. But I think the trajectory over the next probably decade, uh, streaming services are probably going to be more regularly uh, more watched than, uh, than cable. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of wisdom to that. And it's going to be interesting because you already see what many people think is kind of a ruthless approach to things by what's happening at HBO uh, with Discovery, with them going through and removing animated shows, with them uh, cutting apparently 200 episodes of Sesame Street out and uh, various things of that nature. So, you know, again, it is going to be a very interesting time. And I did have something that just came in. I wanted to make sure that we mentioned this before we wrap everything up today uh, quickly. And it was a couple of interesting, fun news things and then a story. So, uh, Michael, you probably remember this one. Justin, I don't know if you remember it, but um, a PlayStation game, Days Gone, uh, which featured the ex-motorcycle uh, character dealing with a zombie outbreak in the Northwest. It sold 9 million copies and um, was a popular game. There's been a lot of question as to, you know, will it continue on in the PS5? Will it get a remastered? So on and so forth. Well, it was interesting because, as we know, HBO is doing a Last of Us TV series, and now word is coming out that um, Sam Hunan, who plays the lead uh, on uh, Outlander, is uh, under consideration to play uh, the lead in a film adaptation of the game. So that'll be interesting. And this one really threw me for a loop. I wasn't quite expecting it, but ahead of the fifth season... Cobra Kai creators have uh, talked about a spinoff of the John Hughes film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Now, of course, some people would say it's not going to be the same without Matthew Broderick. And also we have the whole situation where they tried a TV series and that sort of thing. But this is a very clever take, I think, that if you remember when they showed up in the car, the two valets took the car out for a joyride. And this is essentially going to be Sam and Victor's day off, and it's going to follow the two valets and exactly what they did all day when they took the uh, Ferrari out for a joyride when they were supposed to be parking it. So I thought that could be interesting. So the final thing that I have for us today, as I said, a lot of news this week, is that Cineworld, the second largest cinema chain and parent company of Regal Cinemas and Picture House, is apparently uh, preparing to file bankruptcy, according to the Wall Street Journal. The exhibitor is considered one of the major players as they operate 751 branches and employ over 28,000 people across 10 countries. And they're saying that their debt is currently excess of 4.8 billion U.S. dollars and essentially losses soared during the pandemic. Now, of course, uh, some people say, well, that was common. Theaters lost money during the pandemic. No surprise. However, despite recent success of several films like Top Gun Maverick, Jurassic World Dominion, uh, and others, the company is uh, essentially suffering. They've hired lawyers to try to restructure the debt and so on and so forth. Now, some people say, well, there's been a lack of summer blockbusters, not necessarily true. I think there have been plenty this year. We're just in a lull right now where there won't be anything for major for a couple of months. Uh, some people say the audience is to shift to streaming, so on and so forth. However, the box office has been doing very well, but it has been event films that have driven people back. And they, t they use the comparison of AMC Entertainment, which apparently has 12.6% billion dollars in market value recently had its highest month in attendance in u.s cinemas since before the pandemic so justin start us off what do you think yeah so um you know i, I think that that there's a lot of uh good points there that um it's really event films that you know i, I think we're we're not quite to the um to the the behavior where people would just kind of go to the movies to to go out um, you, you know, I think a long time ago, pre-pandemic, it used to be like, you know, hey, uh, I just got kind of want to go to the movies. 
uh, let's go see something. What what's uh what's at the box office? And then you know it, it was you trying to just pick the movie that you know looked most interesting to you. It might not even be like one that you were even thinking about going to. Um, but now it's really like it's not impossible. Obviously not impossible uh, to be extremely successful at the box office. Top Gun and uh, Spider Man were both very 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 successful at the box office. But I think you really have to be a big event film in order to be successful right right now and i think unfortunately what that's going to end up doing is um you're probably going to see more movies driven away um from even taking the risk of uh opening up at the box office uh unless they're very confident that they're going they're going to be uh basically huge um so you probably won't see a lot of like mid-budget uh movies i mean that's kind of been how the box office has been going for the last uh, decade or more anyway. But I think this is just going to compound that, that the, really the, the types of movies you'll probably end up seeing available to you are just huge movies, which incidentally, you know, there's not that many of them every year. So, um, so I think that's going to be one struggle going forward, uh, especially for, um, uh, for the theaters. Cause you know, if you're running a theater and studios are only willing to put, movies they're pretty confident are going to uh you know hit towards a billion dollars you're really looking at like uh a few weeks in in the summer where you're going to to have a lot of revenue and then there's going to be large swaths of the year where you're really not going to have much um which a lot of them have already adapted to that kind of uh situation in the last couple years now at this point but um i just wonder how much strain that's putting on them yeah very interesting michael finish us off what do you think yeah, so this is actually pretty sad news, and, and to kind of tie this together with stuff we talked about earlier, um, CinemaCon is typically funded, or at least, um, at least, fund is maybe not the right word, but the attendance is almost based on Regal um, exclusively. I mean, they're the ones who are are big at putting this on every year. Um, they're they're thanked every year. They usually send mo. They're the biggest attendees or CinemaCon, um, so you kind of have to wonder if events like that might start to dwindle or disappear, because um, it's not a cheap event to put on, nor is the attendance a cheap thing, um, and again, if, if, you, if, if they, one of the, the key um, folks um, can't, isn't going to be in attendance, you have to kind of wonder about how that's going to ripple through for these types of events, because um, again, a lot of the folks um, for this, it is a private event. It's expensive. I think the last time I saw like ten thousand dollars per person or something to attend. Um, for the uh, average theater owners right now, that's probably not a, um, a a thing that a lot of the smaller theaters that folks that used to attend these things probably aren't going. And if we start, if we see like Regal pull out, uh, honestly, I don't know the, what we're going to see come of it um, next year. So it'll be interesting to see from that from that aspect. Um, this also kind of ties into the streaming thing where, you know, a lot of folks, I think, during the pandemic, um, again, streaming kind of picked up a bit over the past couple of years. Some of it's pandemic related. Some of it's technology related. Some of it just happens to be availability related. And I think a lot of people just felt it was just easier to wait. You know, it was one thing when you had to wait six months for it to come out on uh, video at the time, or if it came out on pay-per-view, you're still paying 20 bucks to watch it, right? So um, the cost to pay 20 bucks to watch it at home, or maybe take a family, make an event of it, maybe pay $40 for the family to go. You know, there was that it was that $20 extra worth it for the experience, probably. Um, now, but now that we've talked about some of these are same-day releases, some of these are 45-day releases, um, and with how busy everybody is, I don't even know how much of this is pandemic-related anymore. I think the pandemic just made for, you know, companies, theater companies, and more, more importantly, production companies had to swivel to make their money back. Um, and they turned, found out that, hey, a lot of people want to watch this on streaming um, and, and will appease the theater owners and, and the, the theater organizers by saying, okay, we'll do a 45-day limit or we'll do a 60-day limit or whatever. But I think most people nowadays are okay waiting that 45 days. I think with the exception of the big blockbusters, again, like Top Gun, Spider-Man, I think Jurassic World um, as well to some degree, 
for those big budget must-see in, in theater experiences, I think those are still going to be big draws for people because there's there are events, there's there's a reason to go. But when you start talking about all the other films, which let's face it, make up the bulk of what comes out in theaters these days, I, I think if people are like, oh, it's going to come out on streaming the same day, or oh, it'll be out on streaming in two months, we can wait. You know, um, we start to see a lot more of the horror movies coming out, and it's August, right? And a lot of them are coming out early, to, so they have their run in theaters, and they're like, well, if we wait, we can watch them in October, or it'll be more fall-like. You know, there's just, I think without there being a, a real partnership between the studios and the theater owners, which again, what CinemaCon is supposed to be, um, and, and honestly, without them, some effort to help bail those companies out, um, which, again, um, does kind of fall on, on the, the studios themselves because again a lot of these theaters don't make money on the films they make money on the concessions which is where um, a lot of these a lot of the money is made um, but there's still a, a pretty hefty price tag for these to be featured in theaters and and maybe and the concessions with lack of people showing up they're just not making their money back on these things so it, it's it's sad day out a lot you know we've talked about this many times I've always been a proponent of seeing things in theater, supporting the, the companies that run the theaters. Um, you know, people complain about the cost of concessions, where you have to kind of realize that's kind of where they're making their money now. Um, again, I'm not saying feel sorry for the big corporations, but it is kind of sad to see a day where, you know, maybe we won't see as many theaters, or we might just see a couple of showings because they just can't afford to do it anymore than that. So maybe blockbusters, they'll have showings on the weekend and nothing during the week or maybe they close down theaters during the week and only have them open on the weekends um, those are kind of things that we could see and and could be kind of a, a sad state of affair for, for where these things end up so you know it's, it's pretty sad but you know it's really up to individuals and the people to make these things flourish and much like toy stores and, and things like that people complain when they're gone but ultimately it's the reason they're gone is because people just aren't going so and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I think one thing we've uh, had abundantly clear to us is that if it's a big event film, people are going to come out. So we'll have to see what the future holds. But, folks, that is going to do it for us right now. Until next week, take care and be safe, and we'll talk to you then.